This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. Good morning. morning. Yeah, let's pray, and then we'll jump into uh, the first part of John 10. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, you, we sang this morning that you have a sweet voice. Lord, I thank you that it's, it's by your grace, as your sheep, we hear that voice. Lord, it's your spirit who opens our ears to hear what comes from the Son of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we need your help this morning as we hear directly from him in the Gospels, as we, as we hear him speak in ways that are, in a sense, the culmination of history and in the incarnation of the Son, Lord. I pray that as we consider what he's saying, according to John, that we would hear the voice of our Creator, and we would hear that voice as a sweet voice we desire to follow because your spirit transforms who we are and makes us love you. So I thank you for this time. I thank you for this worship. And give us um, soft hearts as we walk through this passage and, and give me a clear mind as we try to um, better understand what, what our king is saying. Uh, in your name I pray, amen. All right, so we're walking through the I am statements in John. And we started with the prologue, um, just the, this idea that the word is made flesh. Um, this is God, Jesus is God made known. Um, it's interesting, the word there uh, is he's exegeting the father. Uh, it's where we get uh, the, the phrase exegetical preaching. We're, we're making sense of, of scripture. So, so Jesus at the very beginning is saying, I exegete the father. I, I make him understandable for you. And so that's sort of how we started the series. And we said, okay, if he's the one that makes our God understandable to us um, in the incarnation and in the word before the incarnation, before it became flesh, then we want to go through the gospel of John and look at each uh, one of the seven I am statements. Uh, And we hit uh, I am the bread of life. We hit um, I am the light of the world. And now everyone's favorite that you hear all the time, I'm the door, (laughs) right? So we we usually skip over that one because not very many verses later, he says, I am the good shepherd. And we love that one. Um, But uh, but I do want to stop and spend some time just looking at, he, he makes this statement about being the door. And so there is some level of significance. It's, it's definitely wrapped up in what it means to be a good shepherd. And we'll talk about more about that next week. But I did want to spend some time this morning and say, what is Jesus trying to tell us? What are we understanding about our God when he says that I am the door? And if you remember from last week, he had, uh, a, you know, and maybe not more than last week, he's always kind of going at it with the religious leaders of the day. And I even use the phrase pastors. Because I think uh, we just default to think that like the Pharisees and the Sadducees were like marked off as bad guys and everyone knew that. Um, but, but these are like the pastors of the day. These are people that, the, that everyone went to and had respect for that even the disciples were like, Lord, um, 
what's up, you know, what's, he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And, and the disciples are like, what is he talking about bread for? You know, they don't like totally understand that the, the pastors or the leaders of the day are completely sort of missing the boat on who Jesus is and what he's doing. So that conflict has kind of been going through the last few chapters. And in chapter nine, um, just uh, also for reference for you guys, when I'm in John, I won't have the verses on the screen. So we'll be in, in the first few verses of chapter 10. Um, and I'll, I'll be in John little places here and there. But when we, when we veer, because we're going to kind of walk through some stuff in the Old Testament, uh, I'll put those verses on the screen. So just a heads up if you're, if you're looking for, for a passage. But in, in John chapter 9, right before the section that was read for us, we see that there's sort of uh, um, the consequences, I would say, of what the, what the Pharisees are doing are starting to adversely affect the people of God. Uh, chapter 9, verse 22, it says, this is the, the parents of a blind man who his sight was given to him. His parents said these things. They were, they, were, they were careful with their words because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, to be the Messiah, he was to be put out of the synagogue. So now the leaders of the day are essentially saying, if you recognize Jesus for who he is, you're put out of fellowship. You're excommunicated. And there, the, the man whose uh, sight was recovered, he was born blind, uh, was in a conversation with the leaders of the day, and he's like, and they said, well, this person is obviously a sinner. And he's like, what do you mean? How does a sinner open my eyes? And, and they get sort of into this verbal altercation, and, the, and you can kind of understand the guy's like, I've been blind my entire life, and now I can see, and you're complaining about what this guy did. <laughs> Why? And, and they get into this altercation, and they end up, because of just sort of plain statements about what Jesus did, they kick him out. They, they ex, basically excommunicate him from the fellowship, from the synagogue. And you see that in verse 34, uh, chapter 9. It says, they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. So Jesus is seeing... Jesus is seeing the leaders of the day, the pastors of the day, abuse his people. He's seeing them abuse his people. And so this is what he says in response to that in chapter 10, what we just read. He starts with a truly, truly. And he's making the point that there are the wrong shepherds here. And he's like, after seeing these abuses, he's saying, truly, truly, pay attention to what I'm about to say. And you think he's gonna kind of say something profound, but in a sense, in these verses, he just describes something that everyone would have understood. Look what he says. He says, truly, truly, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He's saying, hey, you know, when you store your sheep over here in this pen, I tried to find some good pictures, and I, you know, there's some here and there, and I couldn't find them. So you're going to have to use your imagination on this one. But they would often share a pen, a protective area, with different uh, sheep that were involved or that were owned by different shepherds or, or kept watch by different shepherds. And he says, hey, the people that go in and out of the entrance, they're the legit ones. They're the ones who have credibility. 
And the ones that don't are thieves and robbers. They can't just walk through the door because the, let's keep reading. Verse two, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Again, he's not describing anything that would have been unusual for the people who were hearing this. He's saying, hey, we all know that the, the, the door and the gatekeeper there is, is the one who affirms and legitimizes the shepherds that are coming in and out. This, this is not that crazy of a situation. And when the shepherd comes in and calls his sheep, and this was one of the videos I found, but it was like three minutes of like nothing, and it was hard to like wait for it for forever but he just this guy is, is out on the out on out in the pasture and there's fog and you just hear him saying some things it's almost like me with my cat like kitty kitty you know something like that he's kind of doing something like that and you start hearing the bleeding of the sheep like and then then all of a sudden out of the fog like random sheep just start coming up and and, and sort of circling around him for him to to feed the sheep and it's not Again, Jesus is saying, he says, truly, truly, let me explain to you this situation that all of us understand. There, there, we, keep people, we keep sheep in the pen. The legit shepherds can come through the door. And the sheep, when the shepherd speaks, hear his voice. These are things that we know. He goes on. When he has brought out all his own, the shepherd, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Amen. So Jesus sees the abuse that his people are having by these leaders, and he's like, hey, pay attention. I want to tell you a story. This is how shepherding works in our country. And they look at him. In verse 6, it says, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. He's just telling a story about shepherds. And John makes the point that it was a figure of speech, or it's a, the same word that's used as parable. It's a parable, but they didn't understand. They didn't understand the point that he was making. And there's a part of me when I read that, I'm like... I don't really follow it either, Lord. Yes, I agree. That's how sheep work. Uh, they hear the voice of the shepherd. You know, what, why, why is there something, where's the deeper layer that I should understand? You know, like the parable, Jesus explains what's going on. So he tells the story and they're a little bit lost. And I think the answer to that, the answer to the fact that John brings up that they are a little bit lost, that they don't understand what he's saying, is how ingrained the idea of a shepherd and a sheep is in the history of Israel. The, the, the analogies and the references to sheep and to shepherds begins in Genesis, goes all the way through different parts of scripture. This is, this is and we're gonna kind of walk through some of this and this is, we'll put some verses up on the screen. The idea of a sheep and a shepherd for someone who teaches the law for the, for the pastors of the day, this should just be screaming things from the Old Testament. This should really be showing them exactly what Jesus is saying, which is why I think John can say they didn't understand the parable that he was speaking to them. So let's look at Genesis 47. It starts here. 
This is some of the things that should have been ringing in their mind as far as what is Jesus talking about when he's talking about the sheep and the shepherds. So Genesis 47 is actually the sort of the beginning of Israel as a nation, sort of in that realm. They're, they're, they have 12, Jacob has 12 sons, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You have to say it in order to make sense of that. Uh, has 12 sons, and they're, uh, they're in the promised land, but there's a famine, so they go to Egypt. And, and they're known, they're already known as shepherds. Look at uh, chapter Genesis 47. I'm going to read these six verses. So Joseph went in to tell Pharaoh, my father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. And from among his brothers, he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. And, and Joseph and his brothers, as, the, as Israel grows into this giant nation that that's miraculously comes out in the story of the Exodus, they, they show up and are known and grow as shepherds. This is like in the DNA of what it means to be an Israelite from the very beginning, this idea of a shepherd. So then, if that's a huge part of who they are, it wouldn't surprise us that God uses this image of a shepherd and what it means to be a shepherd as he explains his law and as he speaks prophetically leading up to the time of the Messiah. So look at Numbers 27. Not one we reference a whole lot. Moses is, in verse 15, Moses is talking to the people, talking to the Lord, and we're, uh, Joshua is about to succeed Moses as the, as the next leader of the people. And look at the image that Moses says. In verse 15, Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord God, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them. It sounds like what the shepherds do from Jesus's uh, conversation in John, who shall lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hands on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation and you shall commission him in their sight. So even in the commissioning of a new, uh, Joshua is a, is a military ruler. He is going out to conquer and, and bring the people in the promised land. Even in the very middle of that, they're saying, this is our shepherd. This is the one who will lead the people. This is the one who will be out in front going and doing battle. And the people will, in a sense, hear his voice and follow him as he is the shepherd of my people. And it keeps going. Look at uh, Psalm 23. It's probably one that uh, all of us have heard of. Amen. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So even God, as he, in the, in the wisdom literature, in the poetic literature, as God is describing what he does for his people, it's deep rooted in this idea of a sheep and a shepherd. So it's not just Joshua. Uh, it's, it's God himself saying, I am the shepherd that leads my people. I am the one who cares for and considers and goes out in front of my people. I'm the one that brings them into still waters. Let's keep going. We'll go through Isaiah. We're going to hit about every major section of, of our Bibles this morning. Isaiah 56. Verse 11. So now, no surprise, in the history of Israel, God appoints a shepherd. God requires his people to to lead and care for for those who he's gathered together. Um, They drop the ball. I mean, this is sort of like the story of Israel. God shows them grace and restores them up and and calls them to, to something greater and then then it kind of falls away. And here, I, Isaiah is talking about those leaders who are not shepherding the sheep, who are not caring for the sheep. In verse 11, he says, the dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough. These are like enemies of the sheep. We have a little, little different view of dogs here uh, in Denver. So, um, I don't know what's in animal I could use, but the dogs have a mighty appetite. (laughs) They never have enough, but they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. So even in the prophets, this idea of the the shepherd and the sheep and and how they're to care for the people of God, when that's not happening, Isaiah is calling them out and saying, my people are being destroyed, but the shepherds, the leaders of my people are interested in their own selfish desires. Let's look at Jeremiah 3, verse 15. He says, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart. So now we have a prophecy from Jeremiah about what God will do, what God will bring about for the leaders of his people. And he's talking about leaders who will come in the future. And it should be no surprise to anyone that's familiar with the Old Testament, to anyone that's familiar with the history of Israel, that God pulls from this analogy of sheep and shepherd. This is something that's all through scripture. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And when you have multiplied and increased in the land in those days, declares the Lord, they shall no more say the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Interesting. It shall not come to mind or be remembered. It shall not be made again. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord and all the nations shall gather to it, to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem and they shall no more stubbornly follow their own evil heart. This is like new covenant language here. Uh, Actually in, in Hebrews 11, it says that we have the nations have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. 
We're, we're, we're worshiping. And, and, and here Jeremiah is promising that shepherds will come who bring knowledge and understanding. That's, because that's what God requires them to do. Verse 18 says, In those days the house of Judah shall join the house of Israel, and together they shall come from the land of the north to the land that I gave your fathers for a heritage. I had an Ezekiel one, but I'm going to skip that one because I feel like the point is made. (laughs) Um, So when Jesus looks at the leaders or the pastors of 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 the day and says, let me tell you how shepherds work, he's saying you should know that you're being selfish, that you're not leading my people, that you're not caring for them, that you're not going out to serve, that you're not going before them. You should know that you're being wicked because the Bible has been talking about you for a long time now. Jesus is making a, a serious statement to the people who would destroy his flock. And I think this is comforting in a couple of ways. One, it's nice to see how serious Jesus takes those who lead and care for his people. This is something that's, that's rooted in the Old Testament. Something that if, if God is making statements about the leaders of his people and what they should do and how they should care for them. It's no surprise then that, that God in the flesh has the same concern, has the same desire, has the same care for those people who would be the wrong shepherds. Yes, Lord. He cares for his sheep. Jesus sees what's wrong and he cares for his sheep. That continues till today. Looking at First Peter. First Peter chapter five. Look at what Peter says to those who would lead God's people today. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Verse two, should be no surprise by this point, how God thinks about his leaders and the analogy that he uses. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, not for shameful gain like the shepherds of old, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. He calls the shepherds to be an example to the flock. So Jesus stops what he's doing, tells us a story about how sheep and shepherds work to a culture that knows that, because he's trying to make a very serious point 
that he takes the wrong shepherds very seriously. It's his people are close to his heart. And those who would lead his people, those who lead his people, he has a standard for them. And kind of in a a practical sense, um, it was hard to read some of these passages this week. And I had to... (laughs) I kind of, I actually had to confess some things to our, uh, to Ben and uh, Kelsey, just in a meeting with them, where I felt like I wasn't um, being an example as far as my heart was concerned, um, because I'm reading about this, and I'm like, this is painful. Jesus, Jesus cares for his sheep way more than I ever will, and if he's if he's calling someone to lead the flock, he has a standard for that. And no one is sufficient for that standard, myself included. (laughs) But he cares and he equips. This is a big part of why our elder confirmation process has taken a long time on purpose. (laughs) We, We brought a couple of men before you last summer and said, these are men that we're considering to shepherd you. There's weight to that. These are people we're bringing before you and saying, we want you to follow them. We want them to go before you. We want want them to be the first ones to give of themselves for you. And so we spent time equipping and training. We've we've watched as these men served in the community. And, And we're also asking and sharing this information with our body as a whole because we want you guys to recognize where those men may be equipped by Christ to shepherd or not. And sometimes that means encouraging them and saying, this is what I see. This is how I do follow you. This is what's encouraging. Sometimes we need the the community, we need the body as a whole to recognize those things. And sometimes that might be coming to another elder or a gospel community leader and saying, hey, this is a concern. Jesus cares for his sheep. And if this person is going to be a shepherd, is going to be an elder in our community, you should take that seriously. That, that should be something that weighs on you and say, is this someone that I'm going to ask my children to follow? Is this someone I'm going to ask others in my gospel community to, to imitate? Is this someone that cares for me? I think that helps us understand what Jesus is saying when he talks about being the door. He's already made the point, I think obviously with the, with the parable that he told, that the leaders of the day as they cast out the sheep, as they keep the sheep from God himself in the flesh, that they are the wrong shepherds. And so now he goes on to sort of expand on what he's saying. In verse seven, he, we, sort of in the outline, we're saying this is the right door. Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. And he's calling back to verse three. 
But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. He's saying, I am the one that legitimizes the shepherds. I'm the gatekeeper. Jesus is saying, I am the one who determines who will lead and shepherd my sheep. He's the door. And he goes on to kind of expand that he's not just the one who determines these things. He is the good shepherd. He's the standard by which every other shepherd should be judged. But look at what he says in verse 8. The beginning, it says, All who come before me are thieves and are robbers. All who come before me are thieves and are robbers. He's comparing, he's already spoken very highly of Moses. He's already spoken very highly of Abraham. But he's saying, anyone who comes, anyone who comes who does not come through me, anyone who comes who does not come through the door, regardless of what they say, regardless of how talented they are, regardless of, of what kind of following they may have, if they're not coming through me, then they're thieves and they're robbers. I thought a quote from a guy like 300 years ago, um, it's kind of hard to understand, but he was commenting on this verse, and I thought it was interesting that Newton's about to experiment with gravity, and, and here uh, George is commenting on the Gospel of John, the thing that we're, we're considering this morning. From a little over 300 years ago, he says, such as do unwarrantably thrust themselves into ministry are sent and do come for little good, but much hurt to the flock. Tell them, pretend to do what they will. In a very old English kind of way, he's saying the exact same thing Jesus is saying. If anyone doesn't enter by the door, they're, they're merely thieves and robbers. They're merely thieves and robbers. Look at what Jesus says at the last half of verse 8. But the sheep did not listen to them. But the sheep did not listen to them. I think that's super encouraging. It's hard in the, uh, I mean, if you've been around the church for any amount of time, you probably have an image of someone who you believed was not a good leader. Whether you just were on uh, the news and you see someone fall from grace, whether you spent all, too much time listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, um, the, the idea of people leading and shepherding the sheep who shouldn't be in that position is a little disconcerting because it, it's hard to know who is and who should be equipped and how do I discern these things? So I think it's extremely encouraging at the end of verse eight, what Jesus says. He skips, he skips past all who would lead and he says right there, the sheep did not listen to them because the sheep ultimately hear his voice. He's making a, a very... He's tying this back to what he said in the story. 
So the, the, the sheep, his sheep, hear his voice. Just as simple as it is, someone will come in to the pen of all these different sheep and call them out by name. They will follow him. There's no confusion there. Jesus is saying at the end of the day, even if there are people who are in positions of leadership that maybe shouldn't be there, my sheep will hear my voice. Amen. And that's comforting. He's saying, I, I, am, I am the one who is sovereign over all of these things. I am the one who is orchestrating the, the salvation of my sheep. In John 6, he says, all that the Father has given me, I won't lose a single one of them. So at the end of the day, no matter what you perceive is going on or what you're thinking about leadership uh, in or outside the church, at the end of the day, Jesus is saying, my sheep hear my voice and they don't follow them. They follow me. So how do we hear? How then do we discern? Because I think this is a, I mean, I think, I know this is a community project. How do we discern then when we're thinking about shepherds in the church? How do we hear his voice? I mean, I think the most obvious ones is he said a lot. It's what we're doing this morning. We're looking at scripture. We're looking at the I am statements that come from Jesus. Amen. And we're trying to discern the voice of the Lord through his word. That, that, that has to be the starting point. You know, the, the number of leadership books or the number of, of, of qualifications for people who would lead any kind of organization are like legion. And God's saying, I've spoken about what my shepherd should be like. I, I'm helping you discern what a true shepherd looks like. And I'm telling you in my word because I know that my sheep will hear my voice. It's interesting, if Jesus is the door, in a, in a lot of ways, as we're united to him as a church, we're called the body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. I think that's another part of hearing his voice, of discerning, is, is the corporate nature of the church. That's why as a, as, a, as a leadership team, we're saying, we have brought men before you. Cole and I are insufficient in and of ourselves to discern these things. Even if we're using a standard that God has given us, even if we're trying to discern these things through scripture, we're, we're bringing people before the church because we're honestly saying, this isn't a Cole and Aaron new leadership project. This is, a, this is the body of Christ discerning these things. This is, this is all of our community saying, this is what I believe God is, is showing me about this person or this person. That's why it's important for this to be a community project. Another way we discern his voice, another way we hear his voice is through prayer. We go before him. We say, Lord, we're not sufficient. We're, we're, we need wisdom that comes from you, and we ask for wisdom that comes from you with confidence, knowing that you will give it to your people, knowing that you have said very clearly that your sheep will hear your voice. So we go before him in prayer. And I think another way that we discern his voice is that God is risen from the dead. He's seated on the throne. 
And in Ephesians, it says, now he pours out his good gifts. Amen. He's, he's given us teachers, evangelists, apostles who have, who have written scripture for us. We have, we have 2,000 years of Christ's reign where we can look back on other wise men and women who have taught us. And we can say, Lord, how can we utilize the gifts that you've given your church so that we can discern and hear your voice? So Jesus is the door. He is the standard. He is the standard by which we judge all shepherds. At least it wasn't that one. So it's through that door, through that right door that life and leadership are found. Look at what he says in verse nine. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Amen. He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is saying, if you are discerning my voice, if you are going through me, then you will be saved. <laughs> this is right up there with the crack from the uh, space gallery, yeah. And this is how everyone should, everyone online is missing all the fun over here right now. Oh, see, that's much better. <laughs> oh man. Oh, what's the what's the verse? It should not even be named among you. Um man, this is the this is the fun part about having church downtown in Denver. Let me reread these passages for us. Try to focus us just a minute so we can close things out. <laughs> uh Verse 9 and 10, Jesus is, 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 is at the end of the day is sharing us what he offers his sheep. Jesus is very much calling out the leadership of the day. Jesus is very much connecting how they should lead and how they should shepherd to everything that's been said in scripture. And, and next week, he's going to go on to say, all of those things are ultimately fulfilled in me because I am the good shepherd. But before he does that, he's saying, I care about my sheep. And when the wrong shepherds are here, they're thieves and they're robbers. And they are not legitimate shepherds of my flock that I care about. Verse 9 and 10, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what these other leaders are here for. But Jesus says, I came that they may have a life and have it abundantly. Jesus came so that we could have life and have it abundantly. Amen. And he goes on, and we'll, we'll spend more time on this next week, but he goes on to say the way that I care for my sheep 
the way that I shepherd, the way that I give life and grace and peace and comfort to others is I give all of myself. Even to death on a cross. That's what Jesus is calling his shepherds to do. That's what Jesus says, if you would to be my disciple, pick up your cross and follow me. He's saying, I'm here to give life abundantly because I give of myself. And as we're united to him, as we're we're part of the body of Christ, you and I, when when we go in and out of the door, in and out of the standard that is Jesus himself, and we give of ourselves to others, he is the light of the world that brings the presence of God that gives us the peace and the joy that he had knowing that he was doing the will of the Father. And he's the one who encourages us and equips us and ensures at the end of the day that all of us sheep hear his voice and follow him. Because he's not just the door. He is the good shepherd. And I look forward to talking about that a little more next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just the wonderful ways you communicate things to us, Lord. In your grace, you would pull from everyday situations for the people of the time and connect that to so much of what you've said throughout all of scripture. And and when we, we miss it, you continue and you share and you reveal yourself, Lord, you're you want your people to hear what you have to say. You call us each by name. Lord, I thank you for the reality that no matter who is shepherding your sheep, whether they've gone through the tour or not, we will all hear your voice. I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that you would be an encouragement to us as we try to discern that in our lives today, as we try to discern that in our lives this week. As we, as we look to others who would be called to lead and discern uh, as they point us to you, Lord, I thank you that you ultimately are our good shepherd. In your name I pray, amen.